Hello, and welcome to the Crossroads Podcast. My name is Nick Shaw, and I'm the Communications Director at the church. And in this message, we were joined by Pastor Luke Lazan, who's the Young Adults and Teaching Pastor from LifeBridge Church in Orlando, Florida. Since Luke is a personal friend of mine, I'm always excited when he comes to town. But rest assured, the message he brought with him this time was incredible. So grab something to take notes with, and get ready for this message titled, Why Am I So Anxious? All right. Well, good morning, Crossroads Church. How's everybody doing this morning? I'll tell you what, one thing I know for sure is I need a lemonade shake-up, okay? So I don't know what that is, but I'm very excited about it. I gotta tell you, though, I am excited to be here with you guys this morning, and you know, this has been a long time coming for me. Like, I was supposed to be here last year, but you know how it is, worldwide pandemics sometimes get in the way, and so I was not able to be here last year, which makes me that much more thankful to be here with you this morning in the house, and so very thankful, very excited for what God is doing, and uh, I gotta tell you, I was telling leadership earlier this morning that I get to go to a lot of cool places, but there's something special that God is doing. Doing here. Do you feel that? I don't know if you know that, but there's something about a fervor that you guys have for the things of God, and there's lots of reasons for that. God clearly has his hand on this place and the people of this place, but also a lot of that has to do with the fact that there is some really serious leadership that has been faithful conduits of the things that God wants to do in this house. And so can we just thank Pastor Craig for everything that he does and for who he is? Just thank you for letting me be a part and just playing a small part in the things that God is doing here. I am honored to stand where you speak. It truly is an honor. And you guys have a great one. You got a great team. People are amazing here. And so thank you for bringing me into your house to speak something that I believe God has for us this morning. And so, you know, on that note, I was preparing for this message, and as I was preparing, it was like as I was getting towards the end, I felt like we needed to shake things up a little bit, but uh, really what I mean when I say that I wanted to shake things up is that the Holy Spirit made me shake things up, and so I was nearing the finish line on a completely different message, and the Spirit started being super annoying as I was getting towards the end of it. And it was like, he was saying Psalm 13, Psalm 13. And I was like, this is not the time. This is not the time. And so I lost and we're going to be in Psalm 13 together this morning because how many of you know that when the spirit gives you an instruction, he's not really asking you what you would like to do so much as he's telling you what you need to do and you will be doing. And so Psalm 13 is where we're going to be this morning. I don't know how much time you spend in the Psalms, if you've been in them recently or maybe haven't been in them much at all. But what I love about the Psalms is they're just life in poems and songs. They're both beautifully honest, and yet they're irrationally hopeful at the same time. I like to call Psalms the we're all thinking it book, okay? Because as we are walking through this life with Jesus Christ, staying in step with the Spirit, much of what happens is that there are thoughts, feelings, emotions, and concerns that we don't really like to verbalize with our mouth a whole lot, but they are pulsating through our minds pretty much 24-7, and the Psalms is pretty much transcribing that honesty in front of us as we read it. And so it's not at all unusual to be reading the beginning of a psalm and it's posed with a problem, right? It's like, why is this happening, God? What are you doing? How long are we gonna be up to this? I don't like this at all. And then just a couple verses in the same psalm, it'll be like, but you've never failed me, God, and you won't start now. And if that doesn't replicate my prayer life, I don't know what does, okay? Is anybody honest enough to say, that would be me? How's everybody doing this morning in the building? And so Psalm 13, it's not a very long psalm, just six verses. But in those six verses, we're going to see the psalmist beautifully capture so much of what we are longing for in our waiting with and our walking with God. 
as we're waiting on him and walking with him. And so we know that it's King David who writes this psalm, but we're not 100% sure what's going on in his life. But as you'll see as we read, it really doesn't matter what was going on in his life because we've all felt what this man is praying through in his life. And so if you've ever felt like God is distant from you, if you've ever felt like you are dealing with difficult things in your walk with and you're waiting on God, if you've ever felt like you're in a dark spot and you're not sure you're ever going to be able to get free, then this psalm is for you. And so Psalm 13, starting in verse 1, is where we're going to be. If you're a note taker, and just for the record, everyone does know that note takers are God's favorite kids, right? We are going to be preaching a message this morning called, Why Am I So Anxious? Why am I so anxious? Which I know there's not tons of anxiety out there in the world right now, but I just felt like we should go for it. So let's read, and then we'll pray and jump into it. This is what God's Word says. How long, Lord? Don't you love the honesty up front? You ever prayed a prayer that started with, How long, Lord? How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long will I store up anxious concerns within me, agony in my mind every day? How long will my enemy dominate me? Consider me an answer, Lord my God. Restore brightness to my eyes, otherwise I will sleep in death. My enemy will say, I have triumphed over him, and my foes will rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your faithful love. My heart will rejoice in your deliverance. I will sing to the Lord because he has treated me generously. Will you pray with me really quickly? Father, I thank you for every person that's in this place right now, Lord, as we are digesting your word. Father, we did not come here to listen to me talk. We did not come here to just sing empty songs. We came here to lift up praises in your name, Jesus. We're here to open up your word and hear from you. And so, Father, I just pray right now that you would speak to every anxious heart and mind, every, maybe not even anxious heart and mind, but every heart and mind in this place that just feels like, God, maybe you don't, you don't care for them a whole lot right now, if they're honest, that you're not listening to them like you're hiding from them or you're distant from them. Father, I just pray that you would reconnect with your kids in the time that we have together this morning, that you would be real and evident to them in a way that maybe they haven't felt in quite some time. God, you knew they would sit right there. God, you know how many hairs are on their head. You knew that they would be tuning in online from that particular spot, that particular place with those things that they're wrestling through. Father, we need you to be God this morning. And we know that you are. But God, sometimes we try to hold on to things in our own strength and in our own might. God, I pray that you would just... Give us the freedom to relinquish those things in this place. Break chains and bring salvation to this house, Father. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I got to be honest with y'all. When I was in elementary school, my friends and I thought it would be fun and funny to prank the rest of our classmates, but we knew that it would take quite a bit of coordinating. And so... We had noticed that in all of the elementary school bathrooms, the soap was colorless, which was a little bit odd because most of the soap that I've seen in other places has some kind of color to it, or it's very evident that it's in your hands, but this was remarkably not colorful and remarkably not evident that you had it unless you could smell it. And so we came up with the brilliant idea that we should get as much soap as we possibly can, put it on toilet paper, and then rub down all the toilet seats with that soap so that when some Somebody goes to sit down on the toilet seat, they would shoot off the seat like they'd been shot out of a cannon. And um, we knew that we had a very small window in order to make this thing happen. We totally had to Ocean's Eleven this thing. And so we knew that after the bell rang after lunch to send us to our next class, that was when we had to make things happen. And so the bell rang. We all scattered to the bathrooms we'd agreed upon, got as much soap as we could, wiped it down on the toilet seats, and then went back to class to wait and just see what would happen. 
And throughout the day, there were probably seven or so students that would ask the teacher if they could use the bathroom. Then they would go, and they would come back, and they would whisper something in the teacher's ear. And all of us that are involved in this are kind of like leaning in like Michael Jackson and Smooth Criminal, trying to listen to what it is that's being said. Like, have we done an effective job, right? Have we made someone eat it after falling off of the toilet seat? And... When the last kid came in, there was no doubt, absolutely nothing to wonder, because this kid had come in and he had a knot on the left side of his forehead that looked like it was about the size of a watermelon, because he had sat down so hard on the seat and shot off so hard, he managed to get a little bit of air, which I didn't even realize was a possibility, and he smacked the left side of his head on the toilet paper holder on the inside of the left side of the bathroom stall, and so when he came back in, we were like, And you can't look at each other, right? Or that's going to give it away. So we're kind of side-eyeing each other like mission accomplished. Well done, boys. We did it, right? You know? And um, problem is we had a rat among us. Principal got called in and some kid cracked. I mean, he was like, it was Luke. He was born at six pounds, six ounces. This is his social security number. I'm like, who is this guy? Like, get out of here. We can't trust him. I'm still holding some bitterness towards him. So that first song really hits home for me, right? So long to my old friends. And so in that moment, I was like, what are you doing, man? Our parents got called in everything. And so when I got home, my mother was waiting for me with creative ways to help me uh, remember this moment. And I don't know what has been an effective parenting tactic on your children. Uh, I don't know what was effective on you when you were children, but I'm just here to tell you that taking things away from me would typically tend to do it. I guess I have control problems or something. I don't know. But... My mom, the first thing that she said to me when I hit the door is she said, no more PlayStation for you. I'm taking it away. I don't want to hear anything about it. And I said, "Um, okay, uh, for how long? To which she gave the worst answer that a human being can possibly give. She said, I don't know. We'll see. Okay. Okay. And in that moment, I felt all of these emotions and feelings well up within me. Anxiety about if I would ever get it back. Agony that I was going to be missing out on this while all of my friends were able to play. And even some anger towards this woman that at one point I claimed as a mother, but now I wasn't sure if I could trust, right? Because I'm like, you played a part in this. You birthed me, right? I thought we were on the same team. How long are you going to keep joy from me. How long is this going to be? And what I found is that uncertainty in the timing created instability in my trusting, which led to a whole host of other emotions and feelings that were difficult for me to navigate through at that particular time. Now, it's one thing when you feel that way towards people in your life. It's one thing when you even feel that way towards loved ones in your life because we don't love all people, let's just be real. It's one thing when you feel that way towards loved ones in your life, but it's another thing entirely when you feel that way towards Almighty God, where if you're honest, can we be honest in the church this morning where you are waiting on God? You're in a difficult situation, and you are wanting him to show up and deliver you, and at this point, you're kind of like, you know, am I waiting on God anymore, or am I just wasting my time? Because at one point, I felt like I had set sail out on this incredible journey with God. But somewhere along the way, it's like he just left me in this ocean of emotion. And I'm going, Lord, where are you? Where did you go? How long are you going to leave me out here? But can I just tell you that God cares a whole lot more about not wasting your time than you do. And he didn't leave you out there to drown, but to drift. And the difference between somebody that's drowning and drifting is the difference of panic and peace. And so will you rest in the current of God's grace and allow it to take you to where he's called you to be? Or are you just going to start flailing about in your feelings and all your emotions at every inconvenience in your life or when things aren't going the way that you thought they would or that you've hoped they would? And I don't say that to be accusatory or to shame anybody, by the way. 
Like we all know what it's like to feel like you are riding passenger side with God. And he has passed every single exit that you felt like you were supposed to get off on. Where you're like, um, that was it. I don't like, I know that you're like creator of planet and everything and everything in it. Right? That was it, okay? That one too, or that one. How many can we possibly pass? Do you know what you're doing? I thought you're almighty God. How long is this gonna be? And can I just tell you, if you've ever felt that way or you feel that way this morning, then you and David feel the exact same thing that he is feeling as he writes Psalm 13. That four times in the first two verses, he says, how long, how long, how long, how long? Four times David asked God for deliverance from this waiting season and situation in his life. And what we see here is that the most difficult part of a waiting season or really any difficult season in your life is not the time that it takes to cross from point A to point B, but it's actually the feelings and the emotions that we have to fight and navigate in the middle of all that. And so we see that from the very first verse in Psalm 13. Listen to the despair in this. How long, Lord? I question God's timing. Will you forget me forever? I'm not sure you even care. How long will you hide your face from me? Do I even have hope in this, God? Have you ever felt like God is distant from you? Like he's not listening to you? Like he's hiding from you or doesn't want anything to do with you and you feel a little bit of shame as a result of that? Because everyone in your life knows that you would claim to be in relationship with the creator of the universe, with the king of kings, that you're covered in the blood. When the Facebook post crosses your timeline that says, you hate God if you don't share this, you share it. Like everybody knows that you love the Lord. Everybody But honestly, you're fighting through such difficult emotions and feelings that you're going, do I have the relationship with God that I thought I did? Maybe this isn't something worth claiming a whole lot right now because I'm not sure my relationship with God is maybe the way that I thought it was. Maybe it's not the best. But let me just encourage you that it's King David who writes Psalm 13, a man that God said is a man after his own heart. And so you can be fully in pursuit of God and the things of God and still be wrestling and navigating through some difficult emotions and feelings. That's probably a great indicator that you are in relationship with God. See, I don't struggle emotionally or feelings-wise with people that I don't know. I just don't. But the people that I am in deep relationship with, there's tension there. And so the feelings that you feel, same thing is mutual here with King David. Now, here's the problem that we've just got to be honest about right now in the culture and society that we're living in right now. We don't seem to have a very good grasp on the fact that our feelings were never intended to be thermostats, but thermometers. Okay, thermostats regulate temperature, but thermometers simply read the temperature and let you know how to adjust it. But in this culture and society, maybe I'm the only one that's recognized this, we have flip-flopped that. Where we're like, no, I'm going to live my life based upon my feelings. They regulate the way that I live. That is total truth and moral law instead of letting them read the situation and then adjust accordingly. Our feelings and emotions are not necessarily bad things when we use them the way that they were supposed to be used, where we use them to help us navigate through life and process the difficult parts of reality and even enjoy the better parts of the reality that we find ourselves living in. But if you start living a life completely and totally based upon your feelings, then what we could potentially see, hypothetically speaking, of course, is a culture and a generation rise up that's riddled and ruled by anxiety, which I know is hard to imagine that there could be a culture and a generation rise up that has been told something like, I don't know, your feelings are absolute truth. They're a moral law. 
that they're not subjective. You live based upon your feelings. And then in that particular instance, kids wouldn't know what they are or who they are or how they are. They would just kind of be, and there would be no problems with that, right? Except for the fact that they'd be anxious stress balls and not really know what's going on with life and then try to tell everybody else how they should live their life when they're not even 100% sure what they're supposed to be doing with their own. Hypothetically speaking, of course. Just, it, 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 it would be wild if that happened, but just take it in faith, it's possible. And as we talk about anxiety, I'm sure some people are like, well, wait a minute. Now, there's some levels of anxiety, Luke, that need like medical attention, like medication or counseling. And listen, I realize that. I totally get that. Like, big part of my own testimony. But God's word also has something to say about the daily anxieties of our life. And one of the things that I love that he says is that I did not design you to live like an anxious stress ball. So, so that's great that it's normal in our culture to be like, hey man, how are things going? <laughs> so busy, so stressed. I'm just like working, probably put in 85 hours. That's fine. You're not designed to live like that though. You, what you're doing is living contrary to the word of God. See, he's saying that that's actually not how I designed you to live. Furthermore, your feelings lie to you. They lie to you. You could be the most bubbly, rainbows and butterflies and sunshine kind of person. Or you could be the most somber, rainy day loving, people loathing, sad music listening to kind of person. And at either side of the emotional spectrum, entirely miss the truth about what God's word has to say about you and your circumstances. All because you've decided to simply trust in your feelings. My wife, Lindsay, and I... We have a friend that recently got into photography and we went to lunch one day and she was telling us how she'd recently upgraded from these old lenses to these new lenses and I won't even try to get into what they were. There were a bunch of letters and numbers that I don't know. I'm not like that. But she was telling us about it and something that she said completely arrested me in that moment. She said, with these new lenses, it's like I'm able to see the same things that I've always seen differently for the very first time. And can I just tell you that looking at your life through the lens of God's word, that's the best lens that you can get. It's a whole lot better than looking at your life through the lens of your worries and your own anxious circumstances. David says, God, how long are you going to forget about me and hide from me? Well, God's word says in Philippians chapter four, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. See, David felt like God had forgot about him. He felt like God was hiding from him. He felt like God was distant from him. But the truth of the matter is, God's word says, you don't have to be anxious about anything because you can come to your father with and in everything. See, your feelings and David's feelings, they're real. Nobody's saying they're not real. It's just that sometimes they're wrong. God's word says, let your requests be made known to him and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. And I love that because here's the reality. A lot of the feelings that end up lying to us, they end up lying to us because we've made lots of plans for ourselves, but we haven't let our requests be made known to him. And so we come up with all these dates and ages and times and milestones that we need to hit in life. And when we don't, we get all freaked out, right? And so we're like, I got to have kids by this age. I'm trying to be married by that age. I'm trying to be doing these things. I mean, God, you know this guy above me is dumb that's running this company. Like, at what point are we going to kick him to the curb and let me start running this thing? Like, the 401k's got to be sitting nice, but only once he gets out. Like, God, I need all these things to happen. But then when it starts to creep up on those ages or ages or times, and we're like, I don't know if I'm going to get those. I don't know if that's going to happen. Panic ensues. And we're like, oh my gosh. I don't have kids yet. Probably because I'm not married yet which might be because I've never dated anybody. Oh my gosh, I'm never gonna get that. I'm not gonna have the 401k. I'm not gonna be running this thing. I'm so, I just don't even know what I'm doing. 
What lens are you looking through? What lens are you looking through? I'm here to tell somebody this morning, it's time to start looking at your circumstances through the lens of God's love rather than looking at God's love through the lens of your circumstances. I'm here to tell you that it's time to upgrade your lens. It's time to upgrade your lens. Because what happens if you don't? Verse two happens if you don't. And it says this, David writes, how long will I store up? See, that's it. I'm not letting my anxious concerns be known to God. I'm not letting my requests be made known to him. So what am I doing? I'm storing up anxious concerns within me, agony in my mind every day. How long will my enemy dominate me? You know, I was so thankful when the pandemic hit. Netflix must have really started this initiative where they knew we were all gonna be trapped in our homes that everybody was gonna have to be together. And so they were like, look, we gotta put together some wholesome family-friendly content that people can enjoy because if you're gonna be stuck with like your kids and young people and all that, then we gotta make sure everything is correct for them. And so I was so thankful when they put Tiger King out there for us. It was just, uh, it was just incredible. How many of y'all have seen Tiger King? Just out of curiosity. That's who we need to pray for right there. The sinners, like, that's who we got to pray for. If you guys would come forward, that's the whole point of this. We just want to pray for you. Craig's going to anoint you with oil. Nah, I, um, you know, I, I mean, we're doing it. We're going to use Tiger King as an illustration. Who knew that it served a purpose? If you haven't seen Tiger King, don't, okay? It is outrageous and inappropriate, and that's why I've never seen it. But anyway, so... There's an episode in Tiger King where Joe Exotic, free Joe, Joe Exotic is walking through this cage with lions and tigers and ligers just filming a video, just strolling about. And as he's doing that, one of the animals starts to like gnaw at his feet. And then like a couple of his buddies were like, well, I'll jump in on this. And so they start just like tossing him around like a rag doll. And miraculously, he escapes, right? But then the documentary pans to interviews of the staff. And they're talking about this moment. And the staff is like, I don't know what happened, just so bizarre, you know? I mean, it's really out of character for these animals to behave that way. Probably never gonna happen again. You know, I wouldn't think much of it. Just really out of character for those animals. I think it'll be fine. And as I'm watching this, I'm like, that could potentially be the single dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. You think it's out of character for an apex predator, strong, fast claws, fangs, God even built camo into that thing so you can't see it coming. You think it's out of character that a piece of meat came strolling through its lair and was like, move, I'm filming a presidential campaign video. You think that's bizarre? Water's wet, I guess. Like, I mean, no, what? No, no. Unacceptable answer. You are a lunatic. No, no. Mm -mm. Now, if I went about this room right now and was like, sir, ma'am, what do you think happened here? I think a lot of us would say, well, he got into a cage with lions and tigers and ligers. Bad idea. But you would be so wrong because we've got a much deeper psychological problem than that. I mean, the problem is that you were confident enough to step into that cage as if you were in control of the situation. That is crazy. Crazy. And can I just tell you, you look just as crazy and foolish when you think that you can store up anxiety and agony in your heart and your mind. You look as foolish as Joe Exotic strolling through a cage with lions and tigers and bears, oh my, filming a presidential campaign video because you're not in control of those things that you store up. You're not. You have to let them be known to God. You can't hold on to them. 
Another translation of verse 2 gives us an even more well-rounded picture as to what's happening here. It says, how long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? Do you see the problem? That when you take counsel in yourself and in your feelings then it just creates more sorrow and agony and anxiety. Why are you so anxious? It might be that you're trying to answer questions that only God has the answers to, and it might be that you're more reliant upon you than you are on God, and you're not letting your requests be made known to him. Because when you take counsel in yourself, when you're all up in your feelings, what ends up happening is you start self-diagnosing how you got to where you are in life or why you're not where you feel feel like you should be in life and you feel like you're behind or off track or something is just really, 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 really bad in life and it compounds the anxiety. And I have talked to so many Christians, believers that are anxious and the younger you get offended, it's okay, it's my generation, offended and hurt by completely made up scenarios in your mind. Stuff that hasn't even happened yet has offended and hurt you and you're anxious about things that don't. I'm like, well, what happened? Well, nothing, but I'm worried about it. Well, I I don't really know what to do with that. Well, neither do I, so I'm just gonna freak out. Like, that's what we do. Where because things haven't gone the way we want them to in our imaginary ideal world, it's starting to negatively impact your real everyday life. Down to a physical level where you are just, it's paralysis by analysis, right? I mean, just everything feels off. We can't store agony and anxiety in here and in here. 1 Peter 5 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties upon him because he cares for you. Now, this is where some people are like, I don't like church. I don't like the preacher. This is predictable. Why am I here? I have issues, and I drove to church this morning so that you could say, pray about it. That's what you got for me? Pray about it. Well, yeah, partially, because we're people that believe in prayer, and so if you got a problem with that, that's on you. But so, but so partially, yes, yes, to pray. But can we also just be, be honest about this verse right here? We're usually very good at hearing the second half of that verse. And I don't know very many people that could quote the first half of that thing for me. And so we'll say, God, take it. Here are my anxieties. I'm casting them on you. Do it, Lord. How long is this going to take? And God's saying, oh, no, 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 no. Honey, I said, humble yourself. I said, humble yourself. See, you're casting your anxieties upon me because you want your plan to happen. But I said, humble yourself because I'm not interested in your plan happening. I'm interested in you fulfilling your purpose. Are you interested? Because see, a lot of us, we want our plan, but submitting yourself under the mighty hand of God looks like you saying, God, I don't want my plan. I want your purpose for my life because I know that you write stories where crucifixion ends in resurrection. Why would I settle for my plan when I could fulfill your purposes for my life? I don't want that because at the proper time, he'll exalt you. And in a world that wants to climb higher, you will notice that God will take you deeper because he does things that are countercultural to the world. And so you'll see people ascending the social and the socioeconomic and the cultural ladder, and you're going to be down here feeling like you're all behind or lost. And what's really happening is that God is molding and shaping you down here, and at the proper time, he will exalt you. And you'll be able to go, oh, I didn't climb up there. It's not me climbing. It's not that I got a shaky foundation. No, I'm in the very hand of God, and he has exalted me. And so I will cast my anxieties upon him because I know that he cares for me. He was with me when he was molding and shaping me. And he is with me in this moment as he has given me opportunity to proclaim his name through the gifts that he has given me. And so I know he will get the glory. I know that he cares for me. He can handle it. I cannot. David knows this. He realizes that he cannot manufacture his own deliverance or take his own awful emotional advice. And so he says something so 
theologically profound in verse three. He says, consider me an answer, Lord my God. That when things are bad for David and he realizes he's not in control and he can't make things happen on his own, he says, you take it, God. You deal with it. And honestly, that's where some of you need to get this morning is for the first time in a while, you need to get honest with God and say, God, I'm done holding on to this situation, holding on to these things. I am not trying to see my plan come to fruition. I am desperate for the things that you have for me. I don't want you to just take my anxieties. Here is my very life. Because here's the reality. We all want the waiting to end or the situation to end. We want to get from A to B, but only if things are going to end the way that we want it to end. But are you desperate to see God move the way that God wants to move? Another way of putting it is, are you waiting and praying with entitlement or with expectation? Waiting and praying with entitlement is when you continually go to God and you wonder why he's not answering this prayer, but you're pretty much saying, God, this is what I want. This is how I want it so that things can happen when I want. I need all of my wants to be the wants of your wants. Thank you for the wants, God. And that's entitlement. But waiting and praying with expectation means that you have first arrived at a place of desperation where you are desperate for the things of God. Because desperation moves you from being completely independent of God in your own mind to being completely dependent on him in every single way. And David is completely and totally desperate for God as he gets to the middle of this psalm. He says, restore brightness to my eyes, otherwise I will sleep in death. And that phrase, sleep in death, isn't talking about a literal physical death. He's talking more in a euphemism. He's saying that he's deeply sorrowful. And some scholars will even say that David is calling out saying, I'm depressed, Father. And so if you've ever been depressed or you feel like there are people in your life that are depressed, can I just tell you this is a beautiful prayer to pray on their behalf or on yours. Restore brightness to my eyes. David finds himself in a similar situation that Jesus finds himself in in Gethsemane when he prays in Matthew. My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. David cries out in his anxiety and in deep sorrow like many of us have, and he says, restore brightness to my eyes, which is to say, God, give me your vision. Help me to see beyond this moment. Otherwise, verse four is liable to happen. He says, my enemy will say, I have triumphed over him. My foes will rejoice because I am shaken. Whatever David's facing here, he doesn't want to be overcome. He wants to be delivered, but as he's waiting, he feels like he's losing. And can I just tell you, waiting does not mean that you're losing. Waiting means that there's more God is doing in that moment than you even realize. And we serve a God who works all things, not some things, all things together for the good of those who love him. And so there's something that he's doing in that situation. But it takes David moving from looking at himself and seeing despair to then looking to God and seeing deliverance. Look at what it says in verses five and six. He says, but I have trusted in your faithful love. My heart will rejoice in your deliverance. I will sing to the Lord because he has treated me generously. You notice what happens? This psalm begins in pain, but through prayer ends in praise. How is that possible? Because prayer takes the focus off of what you and I have the potential to do and it puts the focus entirely on who God is and what he has the power to do. Everything changes when the psalm begins to focus its attention on who God is and what he's capable of. And the same thing is true of your life and of my life. In verse five, before looking forward, David thinks backwards. Do you notice it's past tense? He says, I have trusted in your faithful love. And because he hasn't failed to remember what God has done in his past, he's able to look forward to the faithfulness of God to make a way for him in the future. 
What do you do when you're in a waiting season or a difficult season, wrestling through difficult emotions and feelings during that time? I would submit to you that you should not look forward before you remember backward. Because God tells us not to react in fear, but to remember his faithfulness. And so look back and remember the things that God has done in your life. And then look forward and rejoice about what God is going to do in your life. Because I don't know if the church believes it anymore but he's a God of deliverance. He's a God of deliverance. And notice, in those six verses, everything changes for David, except his situation. The situation didn't change. Between the time that he took that pen to verse one to verse six, his situation didn't change, but his focus did. His posture did. Rather than doubting whether deliverance would ever come, he starts to believe that deliverance is on the way and the agony and the anxiety that he once had in his despair becomes anticipation for the deliverance that he sees coming. One quick story and we'll close. You know, this time, three years ago, my wife and I, Lindsay, we were just down and out. We were miserable. I mean, it felt like everything that was certain just all of a sudden wasn't. You ever been there before where it just feels like everything that was may not be anymore? Dreams died, people left, and it's not like anything specific happened. Stuff just started to happen. Change was everywhere. We even felt like our calling was starting to evaporate. Maybe I'm not called to preach. Maybe we're not called to ministry. I don't know. And God sent Psalm 13 to be an anchor for us in that season where David asked God four times in the waiting, how long, Lord? It begins in despair, but it culminates in this trust and this joy because he realizes that God's already treated him generously because God has saved him. Can I just tell you that if you are in Christ this morning, God has already treated you generously because he has rescued you, he has redeemed you, he has bestowed his righteousness upon you, he has delivered you out of the domain of darkness and into the glorious light of his son, Jesus. And so, as the people of God, it's always fascinating to me that we'll say, I trust God for my eternity. I believe I'm going to heaven. We sing songs about it. We come to church and we talk about it. Well, if you believe that God has already got your eternity secured, why do you not trust him with this situation? I believe I'm going to heaven. I know it. I'll, I'll be martyred for it. I don't care. Well, what about that relationship? He's not very good at that. I don't know. I'm I'm gonna be singing forever with the King of Kings. Okay, well, how about that financial situation? Yeah, that's a mess, I don't know, not sure. He's not very good at that either. I guess he's only good for eternal security and salvation. He's just really bad at the small things. He's a good father. He hears your cries. He gives good gifts and deliverance is coming. He knows what you've been praying through and what you've been waiting for. Be encouraged that God's already given us the greatest gift ever, eternal salvation in his son, Jesus. And you can cast your cares and anxieties upon him because here's the reality. He can do a whole lot more with those things in his hands than you can with them in yours. How's that going? Some of us need to put our trust back into God because you've wavered. Some of us need to give that situation over to God because we just have been holding on to it so tightly. And some of us need to put our trust in Jesus Christ for the very first time and say, I don't wanna live a life that's based upon my feelings or what I can do. I wanna trust in the finished work of Jesus on the cross and know that I'm his forever. That's what I need. Deliverance is coming. Maybe not in a way that you can anticipate, but in a way where you can live with anticipation because he's already delivered us and he's not gonna stop now. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for who you are and for what you've done. God, I thank you that we're not here to just give emotional platitudes or to 
talk about meaningless nothings or to just put our hope in an object of something that we're just uncertain about. But God, we know in the certainty of the finished work of Jesus, God, we know that your Holy Spirit is with us and dwells on the inside of us, Father, that we are being led and guided by you and in all things, not some things, we can trust you. We can give over in honesty these anxious concerns and things that are within us. God, root out these inadequacies that we feel and let us replace them with the truth of who you are and what you've done. God, I pray for new soil in our hearts to be a place where you could garden and do some incredible things with some really difficult situations. God, I pray that you would do what only you can do, that you would bring salvation to this house, that people on the edge would trust in the name of Jesus as Savior. God, I pray right now that would that revival would come to this place starting in the hearts of individuals. God, root out anxiety, root out agony. Let us be a people of peace that trust in you. We ask these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. That a powerful word today. I know some of you, some of you, the Lord's still working and dealing with your life. And uh, so I just, just want to pray a quick prayer over some here today and some of those who are watching. Heavenly Father, I, I pray for those who are still hanging on to a little bit of anxiety. Because some of us, we've held on to it for so long, we don't know what we'd do if we'd let go. And so, Lord, today, I pray that you help us to seek true freedom, true release, true lifting from you. Maybe you're watching, maybe you're here in this building, and you'd say, Craig, there's, there's, some, there's some areas, there, there's at least an area. Maybe it's, you know, you're not married yet. Maybe it's, you, you know, you've been divorced. You don't know what situation's going to be the future. You don't know where your finances are. You know, you know, you're not where you thought you'd be by 30 or 25 or 45 or wherever you are. Maybe there's some things in your life you're not trusting the Lord fully with your kids. You know, you're, you're trying to worry them into heaven or, or whatever that looks like for you. But there's something. Holy Spirit right now maybe is identifying somewhere, something in your life where you're not fully trusting, fully letting go, fully releasing to God. I believe today we can do that. If that's you, will you just raise your hand and say, yes, there's, there's, this, there's something. I just, I just I want to let it go today. I just want to release it and trust the Lord with it. Yeah, hands going up all over this room. Online, just stretch your hand toward the screen right now as I pray over us. Father, I pray for every person that's struggling. God, because we, we say we trust and then the next thing you know, we're worrying ourselves to death. And the next thing you know, we're, we're troubled and we're, we're not sleeping well and we're, we're anxious and we're all caught up in things. And so God, today, today, we let it go. We let you be Lord of all. Not just Lord in part, but Lord in all things. So, God, we, we just let it go. We're going to trust you, God, with our kids. We're going to trust you with a marriage. We're going to trust you with our future marriage. We're going to trust you, God, with, with what's going on in our finances. We're going to trust you with our job. We're going to trust you with what's going on in all areas of our lives. So, God, we release maybe that one area where we just keep on hanging on and, and worrying about it. We release it to you today. We thank you, Lord, for your peace that comes as we release unto you. Maybe you're here today or maybe you're watching online and, and perhaps you've never trusted God with what Luke was talking about, your eternal salvation with where you're going to go. Maybe you're one of these people, and I, I know people like this, who, who are like, well, I'm hoping... You know, I'm, I'm hoping my good outweigh my bad. I'm, I'm hoping I've been a good enough person or whatever. And, 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 you know, we don't have to just hope. We, we can know, the Bible says. We can know where we stand with God. And 
it starts by releasing our lives to him and just saying, God, take over my life. Be, be Lord and Savior of my life. I can't save myself. I can't do enough good. But you have done it for me. And that's what Jesus did on the cross. His sacrifice on the cross was for you. And if you need forgiving, if you need to know, if you say, well, Greg, can you really know that you're going to heaven? Yes. Yes, you can know. And if you'd like to know for certain where you stand with God today, we just raise a hand if you're in this room and just, yeah, that's it. Just raise it up. And if you're online, just maybe stretch your hand toward the screen or type it in the chat and say, I'm, I'm trusting God today. I'm trusting God today trusting God today. And then pray this prayer with me. Come on, everybody pray this prayer so the people around you have the courage to pray it as well. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for me, to pay for my sin. I believe his sacrifice paid for me to know you. And so as a result today, I make you Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you for coming in and washing away my past. As much as I know how, I surrender my whole life to you. Thank you for receiving me as a child of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, somebody, let's make some noise. Let's praise God for those here and online. It's awesome, awesome, awesome. Listen. Uh, in the video earlier, we talked about next steps and what you can do. And uh, you could leave this service in a moment and go across the hall and learn about baptism and show on the outside what God's done on the inside. And uh, I talked, this was awesome, I talked to a nine-year-old in between services with her mom who says, I want to do that. And I was like, you can. And so just go over here to this room, and uh, you can find out all about baptism. So I'm telling you, if you're 9 or 90 or 49 or whatever, uh, you can get baptized and show Jesus on the outside. And we want to help you to do that. Don't forget, we got food trucks and lemonade shake-ups. Somebody shout glory. All right. Uh, outside today for you. And uh, right now, I'm going to ask prayer partners to come and stand here across the front as they're coming to pray for you, pray with you. The rest of you stand, and I'm going to just speak a blessing over your life as we're dismissed today. Let's stand and worship the Lord as well. Father, we thank you. You're in this house today. We thank you for Luke and this message. God, I believe that people are free, and whom the Son sets free are free indeed and god we thank you for the freedom that we can have in you the liberation the chains broke broken and our lives transformed by the power of your holy spirit we ask that you go with us at this place as well help us to change other people's lives help us to share this message with others and god meet every need down here at the front today as we gather in prayer in jesus name amen